Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Tara and Richard O'Halloran, good morning. Good morning, morning Brendan. And uh, it's almost exactly a year now since you were last here and can I say looking much less haunted, both, both of you. Uh, Richard, you had just arrived home at that point to Ireland after being detained in China for three years. Just to remind people briefly, Richard, you work in aircraft finance. There was a case involving the Chinese chairman of your company. It had absolutely nothing to do with you, but you mm. were detained in China as, as I suppose, a commercial hostage, so-called. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say in that three years that you both went to hell and, and back, really. And, and Tara, I suppose we were all on a bit of a high when you were here last year. I presume there was a honeymoon period initially when, when Richard came home. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe that it was a year ago. But um, yeah, it was it was obviously the best thing ever to get him back and to have him home. And it was very exciting and you know, there was a lot of attention at the time. But I suppose, you know, after a while he'd he'd been you know, he'd been away for so long, it was it was a big readjustment for him to, to settle back into yeah. to normal life yeah. and our family life and just to reintegrate himself back into to living in Ireland and living, you know, in our family and just being a parent and a husband and a you know, being a dad, I suppose. So yeah, yeah it's 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 been a bit of bit of ups and downs for the last year but That's for sure. um did, we're did in a good you, place you felt now. A, you felt a bit richard that people didn't really get it did they a lot of people what you'd been through yeah no uh, that's certainly been my sense of the reactions but, and it's very difficult for people to really comprehend what you go through over there uh, and i think as you said uh, before we started, COVID here was so traumatic for people in such a sense that everybody here was locked up. And I was locked up in China, but people were locked up here mm. and going through their own difficulties here. And I hear that a lot from people that, well, you know, you weren't in jail, you weren't uh, locked up, but you were able to move around. And we were locked up here in, in Ireland. And I, get that I get where they're coming from when they say that yeah it's just I just was locked up in a different way yeah yeah I got the impression I think that you you didn't really even convey to Tara or anyone while you were there uh, how bad things were for you did you no I didn't want to Um, I maybe I, I was trying to be stoic or I was trying to pretend to myself that things were better than they were and just try to muddle through but unfortunately things weren't and things just came crashing down on top of me yeah like a like a ton of bricks yeah yeah you see I guess people will hear you and see you and you seem like confident well educated you know we uh, privileged kind of yeah. South Dublin guy it's all right? it's all a shirt yeah, yeah. <laughs> But 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 that got broken oh, it did. out there. If you were, it did. Like I'm that not. Before, I'm not embarrassed it? to say. Yeah. Did I? Did I break? Of course, I broke. Did I crumble? Yeah, I crumbled. Um, was I the big stoic, you know, Irish guy out there taking on China? No, I wasn't. Um, I did my best, and I, unfortunately, I 
didn't didn't um, didn't do well. I really didn't do well. And as I look back, I would probably be the same if it all happened really? again. Oh yeah, I'd say so. It's the uncertainty. It's the anxiety. It's the stress. It's it's the not knowing. It's having this uh, thing hanging over you all the time, uh, being a suspect. Uh, you know, going from being a person of interest to being a suspect, and then having to go through the motions of putting your life in order, where you're signing everything over to Tara. You know, so essentially, you're. I describe myself as an empty vessel in China, just on a. You're coasting and coasting towards jail. And signing everything over to Tara because you're preparing yourself for the fact that you're not going to ever be come back, back ever, ever. Yeah. And in that spiral, then though, you had a moment of clarity, obviously, at one point because you did decide I need to stop drinking. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I called my very good friend um, Colin, and he set about putting the wheels in motion to get me back on track. I don't remember a huge amount of it, <clears throat> to be very honest. So how, how how bad were you into the drinking at that point? Oh, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. I've no idea how much I was drinking, but it was it was absolutely uh, atrocious. I hit uh, a rock bottom. I'd given up, given up on life, given up on everything. Given up. I, I had no hope. Hope is the worst thing that you can really lose at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. really is. Um, and, you know, as much as the family, you know, Tara and my brother and sisters were trying to give me hope, I just didn't believe. I stopped believing. And that was really the the end for me. And I remember, I think I described it when I was here the last time, lying down on my apartment floor uh, with no energy. I hadn't eaten for quite a while. And I just lay down and just said, please don't get up. Please don't get up. And I woke up later. I don't know what time had elapsed. And I think that that was the beginning of the turning point where I just said, this can't go on. I'm not going to be beaten. So you don't remember the phone call. Who did you ring? Colin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I vaguely remember. I know I spoke to him a number of times. Yeah. But I don't recall... The first, maybe the first phone call, I called him and I said, Colin, we have a problem. And and he was very matter of fact, he was like, okay, good, let's work through this. What's exactly going on? And then he he did stuff and the next thing I remember, I was in uh, a doctor, in front of a doctor specialist and then I was sobering up. So did you have to be physically weaned off drink? No. Oh, I did. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I never realised how dangerous alcohol truly is. You know, you can go cold turkey with other substances, but with alcohol, the body will go into a serious shock and it can kill you. And then did you have a support structure out there then for your sobriety? No. I mean, I, I went to AA um, and that was that was as good as it got. Okay. And, ex- and I was good. Ex-pack kind of AA? Yeah, or, and yeah. Some, some, some locals. But oddly in, in China, you, know, you can't have groups that gather because you could be talking 
about X, Y, Z, the usual nonsense. Yeah, yeah. You can't have this. So it was all kind of hush hush, and you'd have people dropping into the meetings who you knew were were there to keep an eye to make sure that we weren't plotting anything against the party. But um, the meetings were very good. They were very, very, very helpful. And I was I, I was very open at that point in time to changing and becoming a, a sober Richard O'Halloran. Okay, and you still sober now? Or do you oh, think yeah, yeah. You're out of those circumstances, are you able to have a drink back here or anything? I will never drink again. Okay. Now, you're supposed to say one day at a time. Yeah. It's forever for me. Okay. I'm done. Done, done. But I have no issue uh, with, you know, if Tara wants to have a glass of wine at home or friends come around or go to the pub or, you know, if I'm in Gleason's or wherever and people are drinking, no issue. Okay. Not a, no issue at all. So, Tara, apart from the teetotal aspect of things, Richard was a very different person then when he came back, was he? What was he like? Yeah, <clears throat> I think, well, I think we both were, were very different, actually. Um mm. Because we'd had three years apart and I'd been living on my own with the kids, obviously, he'd been isolated over in China. Um, so while we were delighted when he came home, obviously, it was what we'd been wishing for. Um, we both had realised we'd changed an awful lot. So I think for, for Richard, probably that was even harder to get back into the, you know, slot back into the family How dynamic. How changed, Tara? Well, I suppose I've become a lot more independent because I had to, because I was on my own. And I sort of had started basically thinking that I might be on my own long term. You know, this was might not come to an end. And we really felt that there was no sign of him getting home. So we had to sort of accept that maybe this was how things were going to be. So I... So, so the gaps had started to close over almost in a way. Yeah, I mean, we didn't want to give up on him yeah. but we both realised like three years is a long time you know lots of time had passed and there was really no sign of him getting home we couldn't see that you know we were making any progress and I really just had to accept reality that maybe I was going to be a single mom with four kids and I just had to sort of get on with it for their sake you know the kids needed a steady person who was in charge and that had to be me obviously um, so I suppose when before he left for China, we were a very traditional, dynamic. You know, Richard worked. I stayed at home with the kids. You know, four kids is quite a lot, so I was busy. But um, I think now that he's home, we have a probably a better dynamic because it's not traditional the way it was before. We're both parenting together. He's obviously so enthusiastic and wants to be involved in everything because he's missed so much. Mm. So. Um, it's kind of a privilege for him and for the kids and he's got a renewed appreciation of of everything, you know, of bringing them to school, of, you know, sports, rugby, whatever it happens to be, mm. hockey for the girls. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't want to miss anything else. He's the guy who walked away yeah. from the air crash like his second yeah. chance and you're Obviously smelling every flower and everything. School yeah. runs are yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. The early drop off for Ben to rugby training, 7am, pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure for me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's interesting though, not to go back to the negative, right? But mm. it's interesting what Tara says about that. Almost this chip of ice had to enter her heart and she had to go, okay, like we're not giving up on him, but I need to, I need to keep going here. 
is there a sense then that you're kind of an interloper when you come back or half a stranger? Kind of, you know, <laughs> was. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't feel now, but when I came back first, so, you know, roll back the clock a year, I was trying to fit into the family, the dynamic. I mean, it was Tara's house. Yeah. It was Tara's house. And I actually, I was a kid in the house, almost. So I, it was really trying to fit back in. It's not easy. Yeah. How, it's how not do, easy. How do the kids adapt to you? Like, are you dads again straight away? No, no. I mean, dad, of course, yes. But I had to take my cues from Tara in relation to how she would discipline, you know, the messing, all the usual chicanery that goes on at home that I didn't start overstepping the mark and, you know, frustrating what she, she had been doing. Yeah. So you've got to be careful that you don't just come in like a whirlwind saying, you know, this is how it's going to be now. You just can't do that. I presume you weren't easy to be around either when you came back first, were you? I, Tara will have to answer that. I would say that I was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he, for for what Richard went through, he was amazing how he coped. I really do feel that. Um, but after a little while, when he'd been home for a couple of months, we realised that we needed a lot more support than we were. We, we just couldn't really cope with everything. And I, I insisted that he went to counselling. Okay. Um, because he felt like he was okay, but I could just see that he wasn't okay, and there were signs that he wasn't coping very well within like the, what? the family. I I think it it was just so much going on because there's four kids. It's a very busy house. It's very noisy. He was used to being isolated, like being on his own with no noise, no mess, no no distractions, basically, and living as a person just thinking about himself, whereas. You know, it's, it's very busy. Our house is fairly chaotic and fun and it's lots of noise and laughter and all the good stuff. But it was a lot for him to deal with. And I could see that he was struggling with it a bit. And yeah, I just realised, I said to him, you're you're going to have to go and talk to somebody. Otherwise, this is not going to work. OK, so, were, were, yeah. you, were you reluctant? No, I wasn't. I didn't realise at the time just how things had shifted and had become not great. Uh, I did notice, obviously, my sleeping patterns were all over the place. And, and that continued for a long time. I would be getting up at quarter to six in the morning and going for a six, seven K walk, like mad stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, crawling the walls, not able to sleep. Um, and those kind of things were, were just odd. You know, it's not like a fitness thing. It was... Uh, just a maybe a PTSD thing or I'm not mm. really quite sure what and so I didn't really recognise or understand what was going on and then it was Tara who insisted for for us as a family that I needed to go and get help it was either that or you know what? Think, think about think about packing the bags oh okay did it come to that it did. well we had those conversations so um, I said to her, of course, I'll do whatever is required. I didn't realise things had been like that. And she, so I went and I was seeing a, a lady for, for the last number of months and it's settled things down and got my head 
into a much better space. But there's still a lot to work on. You mentioned PTSD there. So have you got post-traumatic stress disorder yet? I mean, I've in a, in a number of different. I didn't recognise it, mm. but I've uh, now that it's been described to me, and I'm beginning to understand it more. Uh, certainly. So, how is that affecting your day to day life? How like give people? An and sometimes idea? You, you know you'd avoid going certain places sometimes because you don't want to be around crowds or you don't want to be. Uh, it's for me. It's almost like a control thing, where I want to be able to manage what I want to manage and it's just losing control and losing certain things which it's hard to describe and it sounds a bit daft but it's um, it's something that I'm working on mm. trying to resolve I'm getting there getting better he's made massive progress just to say he really is he's doing so well without sounding patronising he's yeah. transformed himself and his mindset and he's open to everything now like he's open to help and having support and he's a, a changed person like completely than he was six months ago even he's um he's a, an amazing sense of calm about him now and he's he's just everything is balanced out I think I feel for him as well yeah have you got your social life back the way it was before can you you know does that change it's I so slightly more introvert. I don't so much want to go out all the time. Yeah. I really don't. I'm quite happy to be at home with the family. Um, I love all my friends. They've been so fantastic to me, a beacon of support. But just sometimes I'm just not able for it. Just not able for it. It's odd. Yeah. The, the kids have you have you, you you mentioned wanting to be at home with them and you obviously love doing all the mundane day to day stuff. Was that a bit of a journey though to to get back into having that e- ease with them and them being easy with you and all that? I I would say that that's been easy. You know, that's been an easy part yeah. of that. The, the kids the kids are you know the, they're like sponges. They just bounce back and they've been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly. That is that is just an easy tick the box, uh, big time. Uh, so no, that's been that's been uh, okay. Easy, easy. Because like, look, teenagers at the you have a couple of teenagers I know. Yeah, they're at the best of times. You can wake up one morning and go, I don't know this person anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you had that obviously multiplied by ten with them. He came home to two teenagers. Yeah, when he left, you know they were twelve yeah. and. Well, the answer back now, which is which is always tricky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come here. The weird thing is, you still work for that company. So, for someone with PTSD, are you? You must be triggered all the time. Like uh, whenever you have to do dealings, you just there, have yeah? to look. You just have to deal with it and just get on with it. It was the it, that was the promise. So, you know, we would say that that was the deal and that was the undertaking in China. That was the promise. That that was the requirement. That's what I agreed to when I was leaving. Uh, I've no issue with that in any way, shape or form. It's very straightforward and it's not complicated to do. So I will see out the lease of the aircraft and then either the plane will be handed back to China or whatever happens to the to the aircraft. But... Um, 
no no triggers on that one no no do you think beyond that then career wise job wise whatever uh of course think about that have to think about that um evidently as a result of what's happened with this whole china saga many 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 doors have closed so any chinese decent company obviously i'm not going to get a get a job for them okay. any Chinese banks, any anyone that has extensive exposure in China, those are all kind of X's for me, uh, career-wise. And in your business, that would that would cut out oh, a lot yeah. of options. Would like it? Yeah. Out, out of the top ten global leasing companies, I think six of them are Chinese-owned uh, lessors. And now you know that's you know your Avalon, your ICBC, your Bank of China, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. Richard, um, I know your dad died only recently, and and yes. sorry for your troubles. And a lot of people w- will know your dad or will have known of him. He was the architect Brian O'Halloran, and a lot of people could be sitting in one of his houses or in his his buildings r- right now. Yeah. Um, d- 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 was your how aware was your dad of what was going on over the last while? When I was in China, he was uh, acutely aware. And frustrated at the whole process, um, and then more recently, he obviously he had vascular dementia, and the shorter term memory was waning rapidly. So um, he was vacant, pretty much. He knew that there had been a happy resolution. Oh yeah, no, Did I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, yeah. Uh, before he went into the nursing home, who were amazing uh, to him, uh, he'd been at the house and you know, I'd collected him from the martyr, uh, brought him back to the parents' house, collected him from Vincent's, uh, where he was in and out of on a number of occasions before he was into the nursing home. So, um, you know, he was he he was lucid for maybe a, a number of months when I was back and then just with sadly the rapid demise of vascular dementia, unfortunately. Is it very quick it is, vascular? Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but in For his case, it was. It, was pretty, it was pretty quick. And it was sad to see a guy who, you know, whose nickname was The Body. He was kind of a larger-than-life character. Really, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was a, a huge track and field guy in his, in his heyday when he was in UCD in the 50s, uh, held all kinds of Irish records and what have you. And then played rugby for Leinster and Connacht. And I think he got named on the Irish rugby team to play Wales, but foot and mouth disease stopped him from getting his cap, which was before uh, there were substitutes. So um, a guy with a a fantastic career, you know, working and and sporting-wise, and then just to see him wither away like that. And it was, to be honest, a release for him and more for my mother. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, because yeah. it was very tough for her to see her husband, you know, fifty nine years, um, just fading like that. I bet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, I know, like that. That's a very sad part of it, but it is nice that you got that time with him. No, of course. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Richard, you would like to end, I know, on a message about mental health. I would, I would. So th- there was an article a while ago in the in the paper, and I, I did it for obviously a reason. It was a year back, and Tarn and I discussed 
doing it. But for me, the real message was mental health shouldn't be a taboo subject. It's really something that men should talk about. And we should talk more to each other, to our wives, to our families and beyond and get help. I was in China. I was on my own. I was, my heart had stopped. I've described this before. My breathing had stopped. I was alone. I'd given up everything. I'd hit a number of rock bottoms. I'd lost my freedom. And I could go on and the violins could come out and everyone could be, <laughs> you know, saying poor him and poor me and this, that and the other. The answer is there is always hope and there is always an answer. And people just have to dig deep. And I just want to if they get one thing across today, it's that there is always hope and there is always an opportunity to bring yourself back up and not lose, lose everything. Um, if, I, if this message just even reaches one person, that's enough. Yeah, really is yeah. enough. And look, I think younger men are getting much, much better at this, but maybe the slightly older guys, our generation, still not quite there in terms of being able to talk yeah. about this. Stuff. And there's nothing yeah. to be embarrassed about at all. Yeah. Listen, um, guys, I'm I'm so glad, and I, a lot of texters as well, so glad that um, you have kind of got to the place you're at and everything. And I know there's yeah. probably still a journey to go and everything. Yeah. But thank you very much, Richard you, and Brendan. Tara. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll take a break. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1.